The Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by the College Parent Survival Network presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Guy Sutherland. Guy grew up on the North Shore area near Chicago, although he had lived all over the country since moving away from college. His substance abuse and mental health struggles interrupted his path to college graduation and led him to treatment program after treatment program. He ultimately completed his undergraduate degree at the University of Southern Maine and is currently studying to be a certified alcohol and drug counselor. Guy moved back to the North Shore not long ago to live at Providence Farm as a resident seeking support. Authentic connections and genuine care are integral to the culture of Providence Farm. His connection to the community has helped him sustain sobriety and find purpose and meaning. Now, PF staff provided respectful leadership and a spirit of collaboration, an approach that felt like they saw him as an individual versus just another client. He is deeply passionate about serving the community that so warmly gave him so much. Outside of work, Guy loves sports. He spends much of his free time golfing, and he especially loves golfing with PF friends as well as old high school friends. Guy is very close with his family, despite the fact that they live all over the country, and he's grateful for the rebuilt relationships that they formed as he has gone through recovery. His dogs, Cyclops and Ness, bring him great joy, and they are his babies. Running around with them provides a great excuse for him to get outside and stay active. So let's not wait any longer. Here's Guy. All right, Guy, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joanna. I'm super excited. We've been trying to make this work a couple times, and it's been a challenge, but I'm glad to to finally have you on. So let's not wait any longer. Why don't we're going to just dive right in. Why don't you tell the listeners, uh, where did you grow up and what were the expectations that you were hearing from your family around post-secondary education? And then similarly, the area in which you were raised, kind of what was the expectation around post-secondary education? Yeah, so I I grew up uh, moving around a lot, but settled down in the uh, North Shore of Chicago. My fam- the expectations for post secondary education in my family was, you know, go to high school, go to college, four years, either go grad school or get a job. Um, you know, kind of the fast track, and that was very much the expectation and the norm um, in the community around here. I think our high school had like a 98% graduation rate and most of those people were going to college four-year schools as well. So the expectation um, was definitely to graduate high school, to go to college, graduate college and get a job and have that all go very smoothly, so to speak. Yeah. I like paused for a second there because I just had a moment where I kind of cringed. I think the the expectations, not around what it is that you're doing, just the fact that it's going to go exactly how you plan it and it's going to go smoothly is whew, just it it sets a lot of young people up for some serious adversity. So what what did you end up doing then? I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that you probably went to a four-year school. Like, where did you go? What did you do? How was the transition? So I did. I went um, on a partial academic scholarship to the University of Denver. And for a couple of years out there, like, I, I loved it. I had a great experience, you know, maintained that scholarship with a with a solid GPA and was doing well. And then Midway through my junior year, some stuff happened, and I ended up not graduating. I, I ended up being there for four years, but only completing about three years worth of um, credits and ended up getting pulled out of school. 
um, just before my fourth year ended. But up until my junior year, you know, things things were going well. I I enjoyed um, Denver a lot, just the city, the area. The school is on the quarter system, and our schedule was kind of like we never had class on Fridays. And so there was a lot of opportunity to, you know, go hiking, utilize sort of the mountains and um, the surrounding area, which is which is so beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I used to live in Colorado for a long time, so I totally get it. If you're not from Colorado and you live there, it's it's very much a desirable place with plenty of things to do, especially to get out into the mountains. So being pulled from school then, kind of what, what did your journey look like? Because if, again, if we're going to reflect back, what you were, th- like the the plan for you in the North Shore of Chicago was go to school and either go to grad school or get a job, right? Like here's, mm-hmm. your, here's your four-year plan per se, but here you are four years into the University of Denver with only three years of credits and then you leave. So where, where did your life kind of shift? Like what did you do next? Yeah, so I came home and, and I... I had some uh, mental health stuff. I, I was diagnosed with PTSD um, and I ended up going to like IOPs and kind of seeing therapists and working part-time. I ended up coaching youth football for the guy who coached me growing up um, and kind of spending my time doing that. And for about a year, I lived at home, worked several jobs and, and tried to manage I guess would be the best way to put it, manage my life um, while, while being back in a place where, you know, for me, drugs and alcohol were a part of my story in, in a negative way. And during that time, that was very, very prevalent in my life. I was, that was a part of my day-to-day, I guess, routine was um, drugs and alcohol. So I, I was kind of just bouncing around a little bit from job to job and living at home. And so for that year, that's what I did. And then I ended up getting sent away and going to a wilderness treatment uh, facility out in Utah. And then I'm, I'm guessing too, that that's kind of what brought you on that trajectory, kind of circling back to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that wilderness, I mean, we could probably have a completely separate, like in-depth conversation about wilderness programs Mm -hmm. or your experience, but I don't necessarily want to dive down that rabbit hole, but clearly something kind of shifted for you based on your experience there. So why don't you kind of talk about, you know, after wilderness, where did you go? What did you do? And leading up to where you are now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after, after wilderness, I went to a um, sober living facility out in Portland, Maine called Foundation House. And I lived there for eight months. And after I moved out, kind of stuck around the area and ended up working for a couple of years for a minor league baseball team. Meanwhile, I was trying to get my degree from the local uh, four-year school, the University of Southern Maine. And I was sober for a portion of that and then ended up uh, relapsing and I was about a semester short of graduating school um, and ended up my parents had moved to upstate New York. My three sisters are all on the East Coast. 
my dad works out of New York City, so they moved up there, and I ended up moving back home there with them. And um, then I got a job opportunity that was, at the time, sort of like the dream for me. I was given the opportunity to coach college basketball um, down in Nashville with my youth college basketball coach um, who I'd kept in touch with. And so I, I went down there, um, made it through one season. Um, at the time was still abusing alcohol pretty heavily. That was the main sticking point, I guess, at that, at that point in my life. And after that season ended, I, I, Talked with my parents and ended up going to a 90-day um, rehab down in Florida where I got sober and from there made my way to Providence Farm here in Northbrook, Illinois, where I stayed for um, nine months and then moved out into our step-down program. And now I came back and worked as a mentor and now I'm the director of Residence Life. and have about two years sober and am incredibly grateful and a little blown away about where I'm at considering where I was a couple years ago. Well, and I was just going to say too, that that's actually like, that is a very, very, I don't, I don't know if there's the appropriate kind of adjective to describe that journey for you. Like it's not serendipitous. It's not, you know, it's not sweet. Like, I feel like that's really like dumbing down this journey that you've had through to the point of where you are now, not just the amount of sobriety, but your recovery journey and, and how it's really, you know, kind of, like you said, it's, it's surreal, it's bittersweet and you can't believe kind of you are where you are. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it is, it's hard. It is hard to sum up because it's been such a crazy like roller coaster type ride through my 20s um like my whole that whole decade was kind of chaotic i guess would be the best way to put it and mm-hmm. uh to to end up back kind of where i started you know and back home and being able to help out people and finally finding a job where i feel like you know i'm doing some good and i enjoy working is something that not too long ago I, I never really thought I'd be able to do. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. You're listening to the Success is Subjective podcast, and I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. As a reminder, if you've missed any past episodes, you can catch them on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Guy Sutherland. So Guy based on what you just shared, and this is typically where I would ask a guest, just like point blank, do you see yourself as successful? And I'm asking you this now too, because you also just ended this statement by saying like, look, my 20s were a wild ride, right? Like Mm -hmm. it was not at all what I expected. Again, going back to the beginning of this conversation, talking about kind of what were the expectations for you by the time you're 21. Here you are living a very different life and you're absolutely giving back in a positive manner. Like you have impact for yourself and for others. So do you see yourself as successful? So I I will say I absolutely do today. And I know looking from the outside in, like 
in this community where I'm back now, it's a, it, it would be hard to say for people to say that because, you know, it's easy for people to look at kind of my journey and be like, wow, you know, waste of your 20s. And even looking within my own family unit, like I have three little sisters, they all did the graduate college in four years. Um, and they're all in finance in New York and Boston and living that sort of lifestyle kind of, that was, you know, that was the plan. So during, um, my early recovery, it was really hard for me to look at sort of my peers and, um, even my own family, you know, it made me feel a lot like I was, I I guess the most simple way to put it would be like a failure. Um, you know, I hadn't lived up to those expectations and it, took me a long time and a shift in perspective to get to the point where I was able to appreciate that decade of chaos. And, you know, today I know that I I am the person I am today and I am the way I am today because of that decade of chaos and the stuff that I went through. And it made me a more, a person with more depth than maybe what I would be if I had just kind of gone on that fast track, um, like all of my friends and, you know, my sisters, it, it, you know, in the moment was brutal and very hard, but I think the growth and, you know, the experience I I got from that has led me to a place where I I truly feel like I, I belong and I'm doing the sort of work that, I can see myself doing for the rest of my life in a place that I love and I wouldn't trade it for, for the world. Well, and I think that's, that is what is the most important piece to your story is that as long as you wouldn't want to trade it, that's all that matters. I think that the expectation or really just kind of the, the journey that a lot of people have, like you said, that are on that fast track to go and doing things, um, end up at this kind of quote unquote finish line or top of the mountain, right? Here's the goal. I've gotten my degree. I'm in finance. I'm working where I want to work. And then they're miserable or they're abusing substances or, you know, like the, the litany of issues go on for why we have such a, an extreme, honestly, extreme crisis on our hands for, um, honestly, a quarter life crisis. It's not even a midlife crisis. It's like, I'm I'm 25. And like, why the hell am I doing what I'm doing? I'm, I'm miserable. And if they're saddled with debt from school, or if they're just in a dead end job, or not feeling like they have a purpose where they're making impact. I mean, it, it actually makes me think back, you probably didn't hear this, but Episode 47, I interviewed Pete Kadushin and he he really just gave the same story. He's like, went to school, graduated, went straight into a master's program and a PhD program. And then at the age of like 29, he's like, what am I doing? Right? Like super unhappy. And so um, you, I love that you also said, look, even though I had all of these experiences in my 20 and I was, you know, really like resentful or angry or, or felt some shame around it, it gave you depth. And that is so much more important to have depth than to be in a situation where you are questioning, right? Like why you are where you are 
um, and you're miserable. Because quite honestly, even without seeing you across during this interview, it just like your your positivity, your appreciation, your peace is what's exuding um, through the audio. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something you said in there, like I have no question about how I got where I'm at today. You know, like I, I think back to when I was in school and, you know, I was picking a major and, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I ended up choosing communication major because it was easy and broad and, you know, all, all these terrible reasons, frankly, for what I want, how I want to go about the rest of my life. And I think, you know, those experiences after I got pulled out of school and the amount of, I guess, work that I put into like myself and that I had to, frankly, to, to, you know, keep living and living a healthy lifestyle is, has allowed me to, to not question that. Like I, you know, there's no, how did I get here? How did I end up here? Why am I doing this? Um, I guess the sense of purpose is unquestionable in my mind. You know, like I, I had all these people help me along the way in my road to recovery and it just felt natural. Like all these people gave so much to me. I have the opportunity here to give back. Why would I not do that? And, um, so I, that, that's something, you know, I, I've seen with my friends, with my sisters, that sort of, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I still working this job type of thing? And that is something that, you know, that I have not experienced, obviously. And I don't think I, I ever will in this, in this field that I've found myself in and, uh, you know, sort of earned my way into by being kind of a screw up and, and, you know, quote unquote, wasting my twenties and, um, but all those experiences led me to a place where, you know, I have, have my purpose, have a firm belief that this is, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing and, and find purpose in, in my job and in my life today. I love that. So if you then could give one, if you could give one piece of advice to a young person that is struggling, right? Like whether it's the, Yeah however you want to interpret that um what piece of advice would you give a young person today so uh speaking from my own experience it would be simply to just ask for help if you're struggling um i know when i was in school at denver and i had all these things happen out of my control i tried to manage on my own and just the society, the community that I grew up in, you know, some of that, I guess you call it toxic masculinity, whatever you want, shown through in those moments where, you know, the only emotions I was comfortable or knew how to show were, um, you know, joy and anger and like sadness was not one of them. And the idea of struggling coming from this community where I had been on that fast track and the idea of struggling and having to reach out to like a therapist for help was honestly pretty scary and something I didn't do until, you know, I had to, until I was forced to. And looking back, I sympathize with my younger self and empathize and and wish that I had had 
this knowledge of, you know, like asking for help is not weakness. Asking for help, if anything, is strength. It, it, it allows us to grow and, and to move forward. Um, but that would be like, it is okay to ask for help. It is okay in, in your early 20s, early mid 20s, to not know how to do everything and to not have it all together and, and to need help, I guess would be the, the advice I would give. I love it. Well, and okay, so let's let's actually take a step back because mm-hmm. first and foremost, I just want to you know, say thank you for sharing your journey because somebody is going to listen to this and whether it's because they're from the North Shore of Chicago or whether it's because they were at the University of Denver or whatever the situation may be, um, they're going to they're going to connect with your story guy and either they're going to reach out to you or or at least they'll talk about it, right? Like it's going to resonate with them and maybe it will give them the courage that they need to then ask for help if that's what they need to do. So thank you again for sharing your journey. But I, I totally spaced and didn't give you the platform to actually do the shameless plug for the work that you're doing. So I know you just kind of briefly skimmed over, you know, your title and working for Providence Farm. So why don't you actually tell us like, what exactly are you doing? And then tell us just, you know, a a quick snapshot, like what is Providence Farm? Okay. Yeah. So Providence Farm is a extended care facility in Northbrook, Illinois, where we we work with young adult males, 18 to 30, um, who are struggling with substance abuse and mental health. We generally take guys who have gone through primary treatment for substance abuse disorder and um, usually 30 to 90 days. And then we bring them in here and try and establish, I guess, the best way to put it would be like a, a sense of community and belonging, um, which is something that having gone through it myself is, is so important to young people in recovery and, and also so hard to find. We are a smaller program or 10 guys and we have just established a step down program across the street with 12 alumni and you know it's having gone through multiple treatment episodes in multiple places this is a place where you know i ended up and and it finally clicking for me and it's a truly special place and i'm just incredibly excited to be back in chicago with this opportunity in terms of what I do, I am the director of residence life. So I am at the house like eight to five, something around there every day, working with the guys, um, connecting with both alumni and the current residents in the house and helping them kind of figure out how to live a life in sobriety and how to find a job and and maybe work part-time and finish school and budget and little things like shop for groceries and um, just kind of navigate life in early sobriety as a young adult. And it is something that, that I absolutely love. Um, The idea that I get to connect and help with young guys who are going through the same thing that I went through is, is something that is incredibly appealing and incredibly rewarding for me. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that you are are very much in a place where you feel rewarded by the work that you do. So if if somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they connect with you? The best way to connect is either email or cell phone. My email is guy, G-U-Y, at pfcommunity.org. 
And um, my cell phone number is 847-239-0792. And then also, you know, if, if they're interested in the Providence thing, we have a, a website, which is pfcommunity.org. Um, it's very informative and has some great pictures and a bunch of stuff like that. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we have all of that, the email, phone number, and website uh, in the show notes so anybody can just easily reach out to you or or start to explore Providence Farm. So, Guy, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Joanna. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world. You can follow me, Joanna, on Instagram at Lily Consulting and on Facebook at Lily Consulting LLC. Most importantly, though, check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com. And that's L-I-L-L-E-Y consulting.com. Or you can just search on Google for Lily Consulting. You can also download and subscribe to listen to the Success is Subjective interviews on any popular podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.